Egypt. They are now beginning their journey to the promised land, a journey which under normal circumstances would take by foot 11 to 14 days. It took the children of Israel 40 years because of choices that they made. In Hebrew, the title for the book of Numbers is really more fitting than our title for the book of Numbers. Theirs is Wilderness Wanderings from Sinai to Canaan. And Wilderness Wanderings really identifies the book. Some have also called the book the book of murmuring and complaining. Because from the beginning of it to the end of it, It's filled with a spirit of murmuring and complaining. It's interesting, and we'll we'll point out some of these today as we go on, but the book of Numbers is quoted in many places throughout the Bible. In Psalm 95, God said, For forty years I loathed that generation, And said, they are a people who err in their heart and do not know my ways. But in a study of the book of Numbers, I'd invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you might say, Why don't we go to the book of Numbers for a study in the book of Numbers? I'm really not OCD, but some of you might be, so I'll put that back. Not that it mattered, okay? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 10... I'll begin reading in verse 1, and I want you to notice this is a summary, if you please, of the book of Numbers. Moreover, brethren, Paul's writing to the believers at the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. Now, we've already seen from the book of Exodus, they were under the pillar of cloud. That's what directed them. They passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. We don't have the time to go into a little more depth in this, but it's, it's somewhat self-explanatory. Now, continuing on, verse 5, But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The census of those taken at the beginning And those that at the end were to enter into the promised land, there was a great difference, and we'll talk more about that later. 
Now notice what Paul, he's addressing all this that happened in the book of Numbers. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples that were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, because of the book of Numbers, because of all that happened to them, therefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with every temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So, Paul, building on the foundation of their understanding of the book of Numbers, said, All these things happened for our good. They happened for us to learn. So we say, what is it that you want us to learn from this? There are many, many lessons. This morning, I'm just going to give an overview of seven lessons that we can learn from the book of Numbers so that it's not in vain, so that we would be profited by it. Number one, God hates complaining. Turn, if you would, to the book of Numbers now. The book of Numbers, and and again, um, we are not going to look in depth at these. Some of this you may go in deeper on Wednesday night in in our small group studies on Wednesday. And if you haven't been attending them, I would urge you to be here because it it fills in the skeleton of what we're giving today. It puts the meat on it. It makes it personal and and gives us a, a, a great benefit from the study of the Word. But in throughout the book of Numbers, you will find the people often complaining. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1, Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So fire from the Lord burned against them and consumed them. In this passage, they were complaining that the provisions that God was giving them were not good enough. So... Here they were complaining about God's provision, and it says that it displeased the Lord. Notice in chapter 12, And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. 
And they went on and complained about Moses. We won't go into all the details about him marrying Ethiopian woman, but they didn't like who he married and thought that disqualifies him from being our leader or at least we should be able to be that. And they complained about their God-given authority. So they complained about provisions, circumstances in their life, what God was providing or not providing. Some of it was they were complaining about what he provided. God, why did you bring this into my life? I don't want this. And they were complaining, not just food, but complaining about their circumstances. Now, the next chapter, they're complaining about their God-given authority. We don't like the authority that you placed over us. Notice in chapter 14, And all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained or murmured against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So here they are complaining about the picture here. They, they had been set free from, from the bondage in Egypt. We'll let down here represent the bondage of Egypt. They had been set free from the bondage of Egypt, and God was leading them to the promised land. This, we'll let this represent the promised land. So here they are on this journey, and it's not going the way they wanted it to go. And they started complaining about, why can't we just get to the promised land? It would have been better for us to go back into bondage. Think of that. Remember when they were in bondage and they made them make bricks uh, without any provisions, and they beat them, and, and they said, ah, we'd been better off. At least we had uh, three square meals a day, and, and we knew where we were sleeping at night, and so on. <clears throat> and now they're complaining in, in this passage, in, in chapter 14, they're complaining because they sent in spies to view the land, and they said, wow, that is an amazing, amazing land. I mean, the grapes, and two men would carry a rod between them, and one cluster of grapes on that rod would hang clear to the ground. Can you imagine picking one of those grapes? Here, kid, you got to eat five grapes today before you can go out to play. One grape would feed a whole family, you know what I'm saying? And they said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, but, 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 but. 
It is a land with giants. And we can't go in there. This is the God that liberated them from the bondage of Egypt, that that freed them from Pharaoh's reign and rule, that showed his power over and over again through the ten plagues. And now they see these giants and they say, we want the good fruit of that land, but we don't want the battles that it requires. We don't want to make this journey. We don't want to fight the fight. We don't want the battles. Ah, I'd been better off if we just stayed in Egypt. So they complained about the battle. You understand, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. We have a glorious future in heaven ahead of us. But not only in heaven, he's promised us a spirit-filled life with the fruit of the Spirit in our life. But in order to have that, there are many battles that we go through. And we say, I get tired of the battle. Seems like I'm battling all the time. Yeah, that's, that's part of what makes life life. It's a fight. Well, I'd be better off if I was just back in bondage, they said. And they were complaining about the battle. Look in number 16. We find another situation of complaining. A man by the name of Korah rose up and complained against Moses and Aaron and said, you take too much upon yourself, and, and um, again, complaining about the leadership that God had given them. And we find another situation where they complain. In chapter 21, in verse 4, they complained about the food that they were eating. And in each of these... We don't have time to go into them in detail, but each of these, God was bothered, God was upset, the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and for that reason, we can conclude, number one, that God hates complaining. Number two, we learn from the book of Numbers, is that God judges rebellion or complaining. God judges rebellion and rebellion when I complain about what God has provided and put into my life or what he is not providing. When I complain about authorities in my life, when I complain about the battles of life, when I complain about the food that I'm eating, when I'm complaining about the circumstances of life, I am really in rebellion against God. These are circumstances that God's put into my life. How am I responding to them? And God judges rebellion. And let me just quickly mention, we looked in chapter 11 and verse 1 when the people complained about God's provision. Fire fell from heaven. We read about 
Miriam and Aaron complaining about God-given authority and God brought judgment upon Miriam and leprosy immediately came upon her. We read in chapter 14, the people complained about the battle, complained how God was leading them. And all of those that complained, their carcasses remained in the wilderness. They were not able to go into the promised land save Joshua and Caleb. They were never able to go into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. This is saying God saying, I do not value, I do not appreciate, in fact, I despise complaining. It's rebellion against me and my authority, God says, and, and I'm not going to tolerate it. In chapter 16, where Korah um, complained about the leadership, the earth opened up and swallowed up Korah and his family, and 250 were killed on the spot right there. When they were complaining in chapter 21 about the food, God sent fiery serpents among them and sent a plague among them. In chapter 23, or chapter 25, we read, we didn't even get to this rebellion, but they rebelled against God and, and went into sexual immorality with foreign people, foreign gods. They followed the foreign gods and 23,000 died in that judgment that God brought. And Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, I don't want you to follow their ways. Israel coveted. They followed idols. They became sexually immoral. And they complained. Four things that Paul wrote to them. And he said, and God brought judgment on all four of those things. They coveted. They became like the heathen around them. They became sexually immoral. And they complained. And Paul wrote to the believers in the New Testament church of Corinth. And he said, we need to learn from the book of Numbers. We need to learn from Israel to not be like them. So we learn God judges rebellion. Thirdly, we learn that the window of obedience is limited. You're familiar with the, we sing the little song, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good? Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes of clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. So when that was made known to the children of Israel, they said, no, we're not going in. We're not going in. The giants would, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. They'll just stomp on us. They'll just 
make us crunch beneath their feet. And then when they saw that that displeased God, they repented. And they said, okay, okay, we'll go in. We'll trust you, God. And God said, no, you won't go in. And they said, yes, we will. And and God says, no. They said, we're going. They went in and suffered defeat. You read it in in the book of Numbers. What that tells us, we cannot obey God whenever we want. There is a window of obedience And if we say, no, I'm not going to obey, that window may close and we may say, I'm going to obey and go do it now. And God says, no, the window's closed. You can't obey now. You can't go into the promised land now. We sometimes get the idea, I can obey God whenever I want. I can do what God wants me to do whenever I want. That's not true. And the book of Numbers teaches us that. The book of Numbers teaches us that God may answer your prayer and give leanness to your soul. Turn to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Notice verse 13. He's talking about the children of Israel. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. When they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron the saint of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of Abram. A fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molded image. They just, they, thus they changed their glory into the image of the ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to Baal of Peror and ate sacrifices made of the dead. Thus, they provoked him to anger with their deeds And the plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness and to all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses on account of them. Because they rebelled against his spirit, so that he spoke rashly with his lips." Right here, you find a a description of the book of Numbers. And in the beginning, he says he gave them their requests. 
but sent leanness unto their soul. They were asking, God, let me do this. Give me this. Would you give me this? And, and God said, okay, these are desires that you have, that you have in the flesh. And God gave them their desires, and there is nothing more sad than to hear and sent leanness to their soul. To wander in the wilderness and never know the power of a spirit-filled life. To only know deliverance from the bondage of sin and wander in the wilderness. Honestly, it describes much of Christianity today. God gives us often our desires, but there's leanness in our soul. And in understanding he, he blessed them. You want meat? You'll have all the meat you can eat until it makes you sick. That's what he said. And he did. You're complaining about this? Here, have it. He answered their requests, but sent leanness to their soul. Be very, very careful what you ask the Lord. There's many times that we ask God things and we keep asking and asking and asking and God many times will give us our request and at the same time it brings leanness to our soul. We go on. What else do we learn from the the book of Numbers? We learn that God is faithful in mercy. We mentioned the account where they they complained about the food and God brought judgment, fiery serpents among them, and yet God in his mercy told Moses, Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, and whoever looks to the serpent will be healed. Now, that made no sense, humanly speaking. It, it absolutely did not make sense. But turn, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 3. John, chapter 3. And notice if you'd look in verse 14. John, chapter 3, you know, is the account where Nicodemus came to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, you must be born again. He said, how can I be born again? I'm an adult. He said, you must be born physically and you must be born spiritually. And he went on and and instructed him. And he said, the Son of Man is come to save. And notice verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As Moses, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent, and whoever looked to the serpent by faith, the, the fiery serpents had bitten them. They were dying. Whoever laying there would look to the serpent, they would be healed. 
It was a type of Christ. It was an example of Christ. And Jesus Christ said, as I am lifted up and people by faith look to me, they will be healed from their sin. And it's by faith. But it's the mercy of God. God's anger was kindled against them. God was upset at their complaining. He'd done all these miracles. He was leading them to the promised land. They're complaining, complaining. And honestly, he was going to wipe them out. But God, who is rich in mercy, said, Look unto me and be ye saved. God is always in judgment merciful. Number six, we learn that a Christian's life can be wasted. They were delivered from the bondage of sin, but they wasted their life wandering in the wilderness. For 40 years, they wandered around and traveled around a journey that should only take 11 to 14 days. They wandered And their lives were wasted because of their unbelief. They died in the wilderness. There are many believers that are just wandering, wandering, wandering. They have been delivered from sin, but they never grow to experience the power of God in their life. They never manifest the fruit of the Spirit in their life, and their lives are wasted. Number seven, faith. Or believing God is the way of salvation and blessing. Can you imagine laying there, writhing in pain, and Moses says, Whoever looks to this bronze serpent, you will be healed. And you think, yeah, right, that will never heal me. But by faith, you looked and were healed. Humanly speaking, it's inexplainable how calling upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins forgives our sins and gives us a home in heaven. That doesn't make sense humanly. But you accept it by faith and you call upon him. It is by faith. Believing that he, he delivered me from sin, he is now leading me for his purposes into this life that is filled with his glory and grace. And it is by faith I obey it. I walk by faith. So by faith, he says, this is what I want you to do. I take that step. It is by faith that we proceed, not by complaining, not by rebellion, not by disobedience. If you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he gave this rundown and he said, I don't want you to be like the children of Israel. Learn from them. And then we often snatch these verses out of the context. And then he said, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We read the book of, the book of Numbers and we think, these dumb Israelites, they never learn. They're always complaining. God gives us warm houses and vehicles that start at the crack of the ignition, and we complain about the cold weather, don't we? Before you jump too hard on Israel, start looking how much you complain about. Your wife serves you leftovers, and you complain about it. 
You complain about what the city's doing. I complain about this and I complain. And we can say, God bless America, and we can say, God give us revival. But the biggest problem comes down to us and our rebellion against God. God does not take lightly to our complaining. And our complaining is an evidence that we are not trusting God, but are leaning on our own understanding. We've been better off. Man, we used to, we used to have some good meals back in Egypt. Now look at this. All I have is manna. I don't know why God put you in charge, and I don't know why we're going over to this direction, and, and I don't know why. And what we're saying is, I know better than God. I don't know why God brought this into my life, and, and I don't know why God won't give me this, and I don't know why God has put this in my life. And what we're saying is, I know better than you. And God says, fine. You want to be God? Go for it. And we wander in the wilderness. Wander in the wilderness and we die in the wilderness and we never know. You think of that. That whole generation never knew the greatness of God. Not even Moses was able to. And the very thing that they feared... What did they fear? If we go in there, they'll kill us and our children. Who ended up going into the promised land? Their children. They did not know anything of what God was doing. And our fear overcomes our faith so that then we end up wandering in the wilderness. What's happening in in America today, we're wandering in the wilderness. Honestly, the judgments of God are falling upon us, and you can rest assured they're going to keep coming. When New York legalizes abortion for all all three trimesters of, of pregnancy, God does not smile on that. And what, and, and to cheer when the bill is passed and, and light up towers in celebration. But my God wouldn't, wouldn't do that. My God's a God of love. Well, your God isn't the God of the Bible then. When man rebels against God, God always brings judgment. And the point is not what's going on in New York. The point is what's going on in my life. Am I walking by faith? Or am I walking by sight? It is faith that delivers us from the bondage of sin. And it is faith alone that brings us to the victory in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make personal in each of our lives these basic truths that we've looked at this morning. And Lord, I know there's many other lessons in the book of Numbers, and I pray that, that you would help us to not just learn these, but Lord, to submit to your will and your way.
Lord, I pray that you would bring a, a spirit of repentance in each of our hearts, that we would yield to you, and then that we would know the blessings of the promised land of a spirit-filled life, the power of you at work in our lives. Lord, I pray if there is one here today that has never looked to you for salvation, that today would be the day that they say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. And Lord, by faith, we know you promise to save. So Lord, may you accomplish your purposes through these truths we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads.